Welcome back, everybody, to the Pub Trivia Experience. My name is Mike. I've got an exciting game for you here. I hope, uh, I, you, as uh, longtime listeners of the Pub Trivia Experience know, I don't write games very often, but I always get very excited when I do. And I'm especially excited tonight because I am joined by four of my favorite people in the whole world. And I'm going to introduce you to them now, and I'm going to start with my absolute favorite person <laughs> in the whole world, this lovely woman sitting to my immediate left. No offense to all the rest of you all, but I'm sorry. Nikki, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What are you drinking tonight, baby? Well, you know, it's Friday, so I'm allowed to drink um, alcoholic beverages on Friday. The problem was it's Martini Friday, and you already made me a lemon drop martini. I did. And then I had a glass of wine. You did. So I figured if I was going to make it through tonight, I needed to actually make some coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> I'm just drinking a coffee with some cream and sugar because I think if I had another glass of wine, you'd probably see me snoring on the couch. <laughs> I could, yeah, it could be. It, it was it was an early morning and then a long day. Yeah, so. so we have a three-year-old. I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, three-year-old and a baby. Yep. Uh, I'll go ahead and talk about what I am drinking because similar, similarly to Nikki, I was doing some yard work today cause it's now springtime. And so that's now, you know, a thing again, uh, which I'm really enjoying the weather. It was great to get out, but then, uh, you know, I'm really tired. So I came in and I had a, uh, you know, five ish might've, might've been a couple, a couple minutes ahead before five uh, o'clock beer. And then I joined Nikki at dinner with a glass of wine. Uh, but then I'm not as smart as her. <laughs> So I decided to pull out the strongest beer in my fridge. It's huge, for, shoot. It's like the biggest beer I've ever seen. For 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 this special occasion, yes. Because because I am surrounded by uh so many of my favorite people. And uh because I don't really have to worry about like as long as I can still read my questions, I think I'll be okay. So I've got a beer called uh Astronaut Status. It is from the Wiseacre Brewing Company out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, they say taste the rarity on the beer bottle, which is really cool. It's one of my bottles that, um, as a, uh, what was, what did we call, what did we determine that it was in the beer, uh, late, it was the beer label collection. What was the word? But anyway, I don't remember oh, what the word yeah. is anymore. It's, like, it's actually a fancy It like, was a fancy word, yeah. someone who collects beer labels. It was a something phylist. Yeah, something, but. yeah, but it's actually a thing. Like, apparently people collect beer labels and there is a term for it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was one of the questions that came up on that episode, and uh, I made a mental note to myself to remember that term, and I forgot. But anyway, so, but I bought this beer because of the label. It is a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout uh, with cinnamon and vanilla beans. Uh, it's it's starting to already get too warm for this kind of beer, so I figured I might as well go ahead and have it. Uh, the dangerous part is it's one pint six ounces, and it is 12.5% ABV, Ooh. so... Uh, if I start to slur words around the second round, all of you listeners know why. Uh, but uh, let's uh, go ahead and meet uh, Nikki's partner wine. for. Th <laughs> what was that? Twelve and a half. So wine at that point, man. Come on. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pr pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, so, but since he's talking now, let's go ahead and uh, meet uh, Nikki's partner for the evening. Uh, my uh, very old, not in terms of age, because I'm actually a little older than him, but uh, we've known each other for over 20 years now. And we actually first met uh, via a, um, I don't know if it was when we first met, it was the first when we first became friends via being on the same trivia team uh, back in high school. Uh, 
<laughs> Let, uh, listeners of Boozy Bracketology are very familiar with his voice and probably also his laugh. Say hello, Jeff. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing tonight? What are you drinking? Uh, well, I'm uh, uh, actually kind of the inverse of y'all at this point. It's uh, it's Friday. The toddler has decided that uh, now is the time to become a one-person, why-is-my-toddler-crying tumbler. And so I am <laughs> double-fisting tonight. Uh, <laughs> largely because I just don't want to go downstairs mid-podcast to refill my drink. Um, so... Uh, I'm starting off with the, this uh, chocolate raspberry stout from the Stewhead Brewery right here in the first floor of my house. And <laughs> the uh, <laughs> uh, but there, and I'm noticing that a mistake I always make with my homebrew is that I try to drink it too early. This is uh, this has been in the keg now for a about three weeks and it's definitely a much better beer now than it was when i first kegged it there's a lot more substance to it it's uh, it's just a lot better beer um the other thing i'm drinking is a uh, bourbon 101 from uh the uh dry fly distillery from that well-known bourbon mecca of spokane washington Yeah, common misconception: all bourbon does not have to be brew- be distilled in Kentucky. It, it it does not actually have to be distilled in Kentucky. There is because America has never done the uh, the restricting things by geographical uh, origin thing. You can call something a bourbon as long as you make it bourbon style in uh, yep in North Carolina or Washington State or where the hell ever. <laughs> yeah. But in spite of that, still, I think something like 90% of all bourbon does come from Kentucky. Right, yeah, yeah. But That little between Lexington and Louisville. Yup, yup. But speaking of bourbon, let's uh, go over next back to uh, lovely sunny Florida and check in with the uh, team that is going to be playing against Chris and Nikki. Uh, Jeff and Nikki, Chris and Leah. Oh my gosh, this beer's already kicking in. <laughs> Chris and Leah, say hi. How you guys doing tonight? What you drinking? Hi. Um, I am actually taking a page out of the Stephen Ford playbook, and I'm uh, busting open a little sun-kissed orange zero sugar. Ooh. Ooh, listen to that sound. <laughs> see how it, it is. busy and, and very sweet. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's going to mm. keep me going tonight. You can pick this up at probably any grocery store. Maybe any like dollar store. I don't know. It's probably very easily accessible, but it's a uh, good. Highly recommend. I feel Excellent. personally attacked. <laughs> oh, Chris, man. what are you drinking tonight, man? Uh, so I had this like really what I thought was going to be a really good joke to play, and then Nikki kind of ruined it. I was under the impression that Nikki would be drinking Jack and Coke tonight, and so my I was going to say, Mike, I am actually sitting here with a refreshing glass of Toco, Topo Chico water. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had this whole out of body experience joke I was going to go with and try and play it off for a couple of minutes too long. But no, I have got a, a bottle kill announcement. Ooh! By the end of tonight's recording, my private barrel of Redemptioned High Rye Bourbon. It's this. This is a store pick for Sunshine Liquors here in Palm Harbor. Uh, but this is an amazing, an amazing store pick. 
I don't know if the regular high rye bourbon is this good, and it's a relatively young bourbon. I think it's only like five years old, but I am very, very much a fan of this. I may be heading down there tomorrow to see if they have any left because for like a $40 bottle, it's delicious. It's amazing. So uh, I will be finishing that off, and then I am also on top of that, once I finish that, I will be on the Stephen Ford uh, Zero Sugar train as well with another, with not with another, but with the same thing my wife has. I use Sunkissed Zero Sugar. All right. You've been working on that bottle for a while, so congrats on the bottle kill. So you don't actually have any Topo Chico? I was getting excited. <laughs> I don't even know what Topo Chico is. It's so good. Just got by just buy it. It's yeah. in the water section. <laughs> we're we're still we're still waiting for our sponsorship, Topo Chico. Or redemption. Either or. Or absolutely actually, yeah, I'll take uh I mean I'm not picky. Whichever if if either of y'all wants to sponsor us, if both of y'all wants to sponsor us, we'd be fine with that. <laughs> Alrighty, but uh, as I said, I am your host for this evening. I had a little game that I that I wrote up not that long ago. Uh, picked a couple of questions out of a you know a long list of interesting little factoids that I find and jot down, and that's kind of how this works. Um, it's going to be mostly a standard format uh, it, to the extent that we have a standard format here at the Pub Trivia Experience. There's going to be a pregame, uh, four rounds with a halftime in between, and then a rager round at the end. Uh, the only difference is, if listeners remember my last game that I hosted, that game went really long, so each round's only going to have three questions instead of four. Uh, but if everybody's ready, we can uh, jump right into it. The pregame for tonight, the uh, category or theme is historical firsts in the 20th century. So basically, these are divided by decades, uh, the 1900s through the 1990s. I'm, we're going to go back and forth. You guys choose a decade, and I'm going to give you two historical firsts that happened in that decade, and all you have to do is tell me which of those happened first. And th these are worth two points apiece, and I can tell you these are at least a year apart, so it's no like this happened the day before this one kind of crap. So uh, since Jeff is uh, a first-timer on the Pub Trivia Experience, and since Nikki, as I mentioned, is my lovely and understanding wife and favorite person in the world, I'm going to let them choose a decade first. So you have every decade in the uh, 20th century available to you. Let's go. I'm feeling prohibition-y, 20s. <laughs> All right. Go, let's go for it. All right. All right. So in the 1920s, your historical firsts are the New York Yankees win their first World Series and Margaret Gorman becomes the first Miss America. Which one happened first? I have no idea about Miss America. Um, I don't even know when those started. I mean, I, I feel like it must have started around the 20s, maybe even a little before. Um, do you, How are your sports, Jeff? Any idea about the World Series? No, I mean, I, I know the 27 Yankees were the really famous one, right? The, right. They're the, the ones with uh, Babe Ruth and Gehrig and all those guys that just basically murdered everybody yeah uh i can't remember if that was their first series or if they won another one before that um just because of yeah, that sorry, I guess like i, I went to 1927 the, but yeah the that's Miss america I, thing because that feels like an early 20s thing but i don't know <laughs> yeah I, I, my confidence level is very low here <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it made me too. I mean, the, I know the 1920, the, my mind went to 1927 for the Yankees, but again, I'm with yeah. you. I don't know if they won it before that or if I'm just thinking about Babe Ruth. Um, but I, I don't know. You want to guess Miss America? Let's go for it. Sure. 
All right, we're going with Miss America. And two points to Jeff and Nikki. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Woo. first Miss America was crowned on September 8th, 1921. She was only 16 years old. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the New York Yankees won their first World Series two years later in October. October 15th, 1923 was when that uh, they won the clinching game. All right, Chris and Leah, you're up. 1920s are gone. Everything else is available. We're going to go to the 1990s. Starting off what you think is easy, I think. Hmm. Uh, no, it's well, a decade we were both alive in and cognizant that, of. Right. Well, that's, I, that's, that's I what I meant. I literally yeah. not know anything about any other decade. So. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Which of these events happened first? Scientists successfully clone a mammal, Dolly the sheep, or dubbed the cyber mom, Elizabeth Ann Oliver, is the first woman to have her baby's birth broadcast live over the internet. Okay, well, the internet's got to be late, right? No, Al Gore invented it, so it could have happened at any time. Well, but to broadcast something live on the internet, that has to be late. No, yeah, I- I'm thinking that. Because I got the internet in 1990, what, like six? And I wasn't watching anything live. I was looking up pictures of Luke Perry um, from magazines and stuff. You're from Lake Placid, Florida. You got the internet like a good four years after everybody else. Okay, well, I'm just saying that that's, that's when we got it in our house. It was either 96 or 97. Um, no, but I, it was I, definitely nothing live I that we feel were like the hubbub around the sheep was earlier because I feel like that was during Clinton's. Yeah. Well, I think it was during Clinton's term, but I thought that was like early first term, so I would say the sheep. Yeah, I think the sheep came first. We'll go with Dolly the sheep. And two points to Chris and Leah. Dolly the Sheep did come first, although it was late in Clinton's first term. Uh, Dolly the Sheep was cloned on July 5th, 1996. Uh, The cyber mom uh, had her baby's birth broadcast live online on June 16th, 1998. And and as a reminder, that kid can drink now. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. I was just thinking that the uh, the baby on uh, the Nevermind album cover is now at least 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I actually saw a picture of him posted on Twitter, like, basically with, like, feel old yet. Yeah, I did, too. It was, like, a big thing that got released. (laughs) Yep. It was, like, him holding the picture of himself as a baby. Yep. (laughs) All right, Jeff and Nikki, you guys are up. Well, Nikki, uh, I picked the last decade, so... Uh... Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I'm feeling the 70s. This All right. Groovy. Yeah. The 70s. All right. Your historical firsts are Saturday Night Live, then called NBC's Saturday Night, airs its first episode with George Carlin hosting, or the Kenback One hits the market as the first, the world's first commercially available personal computer. The PC has got to be fairly late in the 70s, and I thought yeah. SNL was at least. I want to say it's, it's like SNL was like around like 72, 73, but I, I mean, yeah, I could be totally I, that, that would be my guess that that the the SNL one would be first because I thought there was that you know you had those great uh, Chevy Chase uh, episodes and all those guys those they were there through most of the 70s i thought so it's gotta be like 72 or 73 you're right i think i think we'll go with that one all right we're gonna go snl snl sorry no points uh this Ah. is one of the ones i knew was going to be trickier the kenback one was actually released in early 1971 believe it or not and as as snl their first uh episode aired on october 11th 1975 
No. Yeah. But yeah, there's there only uh, only 50 of those Kenback ones were ever built. <laughs> but it was it was commercially available as a personal computer. I don't think they uh I don't think they went on to quite the same success as say Apple or IBM. <laughs> All right, Chris and Leah. Uh, we're going to go with the 80s. The 80s, the other decade you guys were alive, around yep. for at least yep. part of. You can notice a trend. Uh-huh. Well, it's over now. <laughs> All right, your two events are representing the 4th District of Massachusetts, Barney Frank becomes the first openly gay U.S. congressman. Or, and I just realized I didn't look this that closely, this came up on a very recent episode, uh, the Washington football team then called the Redskins win their first Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know when any of those things happened. So, well, the Washington Redskins won their first Super Bowl in 1983. Okay, so do you think that what was the other one? An openly well, gay person. I'm, so, what would be? I a, have no idea. But a what, political year. What I'm looking. No? Well, maybe, maybe not. But what I'm looking at is there are seven years in front of '83, and there are three years behind it. So I would say '83 is a pretty good bet to be the first to happen. So we're going with the Redskins. Oh, I don't no, know. No, I mean, my logic. not the Redskins. The other, the other name, the non-racial name. No, I would say the Washington football team Washington came fo- first. Yeah, we're going to say football. Football came first. All right, and sorry again, no points. Uh, believe it or not, Barney Frank was actually uh, not elected, but uh, he was elected in 1980, but he was first uh, uh, introduced to the to Congress in 1981. So that actually did come first, believe it or not. That surprised the hell out of me too. So, But your, I thought your logic was actually very sound. All right, uh, pretty much most of the early decades are still available. <laughs> uh, let's go, let's go 40s. Why not? All right, let's go with it. 1940s. Your two firsts are the first ballpoint pens go on sale, and Dick Button becomes the first American world figure skating champion. And yes, I absolutely included this because his name is Dick Button. <laughs> I, I have literally no idea on either of these. And I kind of think we should, I'm, I'm going to flip a coin here unless you have I know, some I don't, insight. I don't really have any logic. I mean, all right. So figure skating, it would be Olympics. Now, would they have had the Olympics during the World War? So would that be later in the 40s? Uh, they might have had the World Championships, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the ballpoint pen thing seems kind of like the sort of thing that was uh, that came out of military uh, yeah. research and would then go into the to wide sale in like 46 or something. Uh, yeah, but the figure skating thing is just throwing me off. I, I, I got no idea on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Just flip a coin. See what see what happens. So, All right. Jeff, so, you and your uh, coin flipping. We got a hundred peso coin here from Chile. Um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, the Mapuche woman is uh, the is heads. Um, the hundred pesos and the seal is tails. Uh, Call it for Dick Button, Nikki. <laughs> I mean, I guess he should be Tails. So. <laughs> gotcha. I guess it could be him uh, <laughs> it is Tails, so we're going to go with Dick Button. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, Jeff and Nikki, the coin has led you astray. Oh, no. <laughs> Dick Button became the first American world figure skating champion in 1948, but the first ballpoint ah. pens went on sale in 1944. Ah. 
All right, Chris and Leah, you're up. We'll go with the aughts. Ooh, going early. All right, your two historical firsts are the Wright brothers achieve the first manned flight, and the first Nobel Prize for Physics is awarded to Wilhelm Röntgen for discovering the X-ray. Hold up, this is the 1990 aughts, not the 2000 aughts? No, yeah, that's the 1900s. Yeah, this is this is historical first. I would of the not have agreed century. to this round if I knew that that's I'm, the odds we were talking about. I'm Actually, so, I'm so sorry. Wright brothers' question goes to not the guy from North Carolina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. So here's what I know. I know Runchin. I'm, I'm almost positive. Well, he's the he won the Nobel Prize in physics. He oh. invented the X-ray. Cool. Obviously. Congrats. Not, he wasn't trying to invent the X-ray, but he invented the X-ray. <laughs> But right. I'm pretty sure that happened in the late 1890s. I, I wrote, I've written a trivia question about him before. Uh, well, it had to have so happened in like the aughts. Well, I felt like the the invention was in like 1896. So I would say that Nobel Prize would have been early. I don't know. The I don't Wright know Brothers. What the I don't. There's no. something about the Wright Brothers. The Kitty Hawk, I thought would have been like 1906, 1907. Yeah, I think we should go with the X-ray machine. Yeah, we'll go with Runchin. Well, the Wright brothers' first flight was on December 17th, 1903. Ooh, wow. It was way off. But but the first Nobel Prize for Physics was awarded December 10th, 1901. Chris yes. and Leah pick up two points. Woo-hoo. Good guessing. It. All right, Jeff and Nikki. Uh, let's go with the 50s. Sure. The 50s. All right, I got my poodle skirt on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying either. He actually has a poodle skirt on. He's got the legs to pull it off. Nicely done. All right, your two uh, historical firsts are Queen Elizabeth II becomes the first monarch to have her coronation televised, or Chuck Cooper becomes the first black player drafted into the NBA. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, when did when did Queen Elizabeth when did like when did she get? I mean, it was uh, I want to say it was either fifty four or fifty five. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think the NBA existed until, well, maybe, I guess the NBA started in you know, the late 40s. So, Chuck Cooper, because I would guess uh, Queen Elizabeth, because the whole, like, integration thing <laughs> wasn't necessarily getting yeah. that much uh, um, momentum until... At uh, least Jackie the later 50s, yeah, I would think. Right? So, um, no, actually, no, Jackie Robinson was a 40-something. So maybe oh. I'm, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I mean, I, again, I just, I, I know that Queen too. Elizabeth was earlier 50s, <laughs> but I don't know, like, how early, and I don't really know how early the NBA was. I don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's go with QE2. <laughs> All right, sure. All right, so you're saying Queen Elizabeth II? Yeah. Queen Elizabeth II was uh, was coronated on June 2nd, 1953. But the NBA actually integrated April 25th, 1950. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no points. I was I was actually amazed that that was that early cuz yeah. again, like you said Jackie Robinson was late for, uh and Larry Doby uh late 40s, right. Yeah. was were were uh late late 40s, so I'm learning a lot, but yeah. I know nothing. I, I, <laughs> these are only these are only two points. Don't worry. All right, Chris and Leah, you guys have uh, what the tens, the thirties, and the sixties left. 
Do you want to go to the tens? Sure. Yeah, nineteen tens. The nineteen tens. The first Indianapolis five hundred was run at an average speed of seventy-five miles an hour. Or the first crossword puzzle, then called a word cross, was published in New York World. I say we go with puzzles. Yeah, we'll go with the crossword puzzle because I have no idea on either of these. I can't believe it wasn't about the Titanic. That's the only ah. thing I could think that in World War One. That's all I could think of was in the teens. <laughs> yeah, but you, but but those are two things that that you probably would know exactly more or less exactly when they happen. So. Yeah, that would be easier for me. All right. So you guys are saying the first crossword puzzle? Yes, yeah. sir. Team puzzles. So this actual this one was one of the ones that actually really blew my mind that the first Indianapolis 500 was actually run before the first crossword puzzle existed. It was uh, May 30th, 1911 for the Indy 500, and the crossword puzzle didn't come until December of 1913. Damn. <laughs> We're doing great at this. <laughs> as, my wife, as my wife knows, I'm obsessed with dates, so... Uh, so you guys, Jeff and Nikki, have the 30s and the 60s left. Which one do you want, Jeff? Uh, sh- let's go 60s. <laughs> Damn it. The 1960s. Peter Sellers, of all people, becomes the first man to appear on the cover of Playboy. Or the first artificial heart is implanted by Michael by Dr. Michael DeBaker in Houston. I have uh, no idea when uh, either of these things occurred. I just feel like giving the answer in the voice of Inspector Cluzeau. <laughs> that was actually a pretty passable impression, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 would, I, I would guess the heart transplant thing because I thought that I actually thought that stuff was occurring in the 50s, but <laughs> maybe I'm completely wrong. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? We'll go. We'll go with the heart. Sure. Yeah. See, and that 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 impresses me because I was like, "Holy crap!" They were doing that in the '60s. Uh, but they, not only were they doing that in the '60s, but they were doing that in the '60s prior to Peter Sellers appearing on the cover of Playboy. Two points to Jeff and Nikki. Mm-hmm. We are tied at four piece, and that does leave Chris and Leah with the 1930s. Chris and Leah, your two historical firsts are. Frances Perkins was named Secretary of Labor, becoming the first woman in a U.S. presidential cabinet. Or the first Masters golf tournament was held. Well, I think Prohibition was uh, repealed in 1933. What does that have to do with either of these scenarios? <laughs> it's the only monumental... It was a beautiful day. Yeah, that's the only date in the 1930s that I... I think I may know. It's either 1932 or 1933. Um, There's something that would be ironic if the Masters tournament started before the uh, the first woman got elected to... Uh... Yeah, but I think it'd be cooler if the first woman got elected first. Okay, we'll go with you. We'll go with that. I'm good. You guys are saying the first female cabinet member was prior to the first Masters tournament? Correct. First cabinet member appointed, not elected, but yes. You guys are correct. You were picking up two points. Yeah, team women. Yep. Uh, Frances Perkins was, it actually, like, she was appointed at the very beginning of the Roosevelt administration, uh, so 1933. Uh, the first Masters Golf Tournament was not till a year later in uh, 1934. And your random trivia is that the first winner of the Masters Tournament, I can't necessarily say the first person to put on the green jacket, I don't know if they had the green jacket back then, but was a man named Horton Smith. 
So if you want to file that one way back in the in the vault uh, for the likelihood that it will never come up, <laughs> there you go. All righty. Uh, that, that, I hope you guys enjoyed that pregame. I really thought that was, I thought, I love the historical first thing. I think. And if you were to ask a question about the first black player to play at the masters, that would have been in the 1970s bracket. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I tried not to do it, not to do too much about like, you know, racial gender type of first, because I didn't want the whole round to be about that. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. You make a very good point. So uh, after that pregame, we have a score of six to four going into the round one. And as I said, I hope you liked that round because there is a theme to round one. And the theme to round one is more historical first. Oh, God. <laughs> I promise after this we'll be done. <laughs> All right. Standard lock in rules apply. Your first question. The category is magazine covers. What actress graced the first ever cover of People magazine in 1974, around the time she played the role of Daisy Buchanan in The Great Gatsby? We're going to go ahead and lock in. Okay, Chris and Leah have locked in. Jeff and Nikki, you guys can talk it out. This is bugging me because I feel like it's like Mia Farrow or whatever, but I don't... That's like... I get confused with the Woody Allen's girlfriend's name. Is that what her name was with Mia Farrow? Um, yes, but yes, that was uh, that's the the one that uh, um, is probably the most well known of his many dalliances. <laughs> yeah, but I'm wondering if that was that it, the one the girl who played Daisy Buchanan because she was with Robert Redford. She was also in. Um, uh um. What's the the husband and wife like um robbers um not Kramer versus Kramer, right? No, 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 the the historical robbers. Uh Oh, Bonnie and it, Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. She was in Bonnie and Clyde and she was in and I know exactly who she is. I can picture her face, but for some reason the name Mia Farrow is the only name that's coming to my head and I think that's Woody Allen's girlfriend. That's the wrong name, but I can't it's something oh, like that. Well. It's driving me crazy. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde was, uh, you know, I don't know movies. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I honestly, I know exactly who she is. I mean, I can picture her. Uh, Mike's yeah, going to kill me because he knows I know this, too. He's like, he's like trying not to laugh because he knows I know this. <laughs> I don't. I just, can't I, think yeah, I, I just don't know movies. Like, I just I could not pull the name of the Bonnie and Clyde actress out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's who she is, but I can't. The only name I can think of is Mia Farrow, so I'll go with Mia Farrow. Okay, so Jeff and Nikki are locking in with Mia Farrow. Chris and Leah, what did you guys lock in with? We're not good with, um, like, for some reason, there's a huge blind spot for both of us when it comes to, like, movies in the, the late 60s to the early 80s. And this one fell right into that blind spot. I actually think Nikki's right. I think it is Mia Farrow. Um, but we went with Margot Kidder because we knew she was acting at that point in time. Okay, Chris and Leah locking in with Margot Kidder. I'm fairly certain who Nikki was thinking of is Faye Dunaway, mm-hmm. uh, who is the actress that for some reason I always think played Daisy Buchanan in The Great Gatsby, even though I saw that movie and know for a fact 
especially now that I reconfirmed it on IMDb because I was still, as I was reading the question, going, wasn't that Faye Dunaway? No, it was not Faye Dunaway. It was Mia Farrow. Oh, okay. Jeff and Nikki pick up 10 points. Good pull, Nikki. I thought they were the same person. (laughs) Uh, But yes, good job, guys. You guys pick up 10 points. Uh, the second question, the category, I'm not entirely sure when this episode will air, but it actually might be fairly apropos. Your category is Easter eggs. The very first Easter egg in media is generally credited as being in a video game for the Atari 2600 console, wherein game designer Warren Robinette secretly programmed his name to appear in a hidden room. What was the rather uncreative name of this classic game from 1980? I think this is the nerdiest question on here. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure it's the nerdiest question. Okay, we're going to lock in. All right, Jeff and Nikki are locked in. Chris and Leah, you can talk it out. Oh, yeah, this is going to go so well. <laughs> so the problem is, like, we, I've, never, I've never played Atari. I'm not a huge video game person. Neither is Leah. Uh, so the Atari, like, I was doing this little hand gesture a couple of minutes ago, but the Atari, I think, is the, it's the joystick with the button. So it's a simple game because you it's don't have to game. move around too much. And I've seen this before. It's like this little black and white game. And I, th- I, I might, this might have been, honestly, this might have been in the freaking uh, Ready Player One movie. Or it might have been in the Ready Player One book or the Re- I'm, Ready Player Two right there I'm reading. It could be in that. I don't know the name of the game. So we're going to need a few hours for me to read this Ready Player Two book to see if the, <laughs> the game is listed in there somewhere. We'll still end up being shorter than Mike's last episode he hosted. Oh, burn. True. Uh, true, true. So I liked what, your idea. Which I listed off multiple ones. So I it, said dungeons, castle, snake. It's not snake. <laughs> Those it's, were the three it's, that it's, I came up internal. with. It's internal. Like, I, 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 could, I thought it was in the movie. That he actually like played it, and it's this little black and white screen, and you're just kind of moving back and forth through these little things. Dungeon, I think, sounds good. Castle sounds but his, good. But his clues were unimaginative names, so it's got to mean it's got to have like a really simple, like boring. Yeah, I title think you're right. Uh, do you like castle or dungeon more? I was my mind went to dungeon, but I think that was because of Mario or Dungeons and Dragons. Or maybe I, but that's not like a game game, right? That's not like a physical game. Well, it depends how active your imagination is. Yeah, it's not very active. Um, okay, you want to go castle? Sure. We're going to go with castle. Chris Alina locking in with castle. Nikki and Jeff, what did you guys lock in with? Well, we're um, hoping that there is a trail of breadcrumbs along with the uh, the Easter egg because we went with labyrinth. Ah, okay. Uh, both, both actually very good guesses. Uh, honestly, I would argue that the name of the game might've been even more uncreative than that. The game was called adventure. Oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> that was a hundred percent in ready player one. It is. It's, it's in ready the, player one. It, at least in the movie. I think it's that that's the what they're playing at the that's, end yeah, to unlock the last. Yeah. yeah it's the second, it's the, like the second to last key. It's the last key. Yes. Right? I, yeah. All right. So. No points awarded on that one. Uh, as I said, there's only three questions per round, so we are on the last question of round one, and thus the last historical first, unless I threw some in later. I don't think I did, but if I did, I apologize ahead of time. Your subcategory on this one is a man with a plan. Who was the first sitting U.S. president to leave the United States? And for five bonus points, what country did he visit? We're going to lock in. All right, Chris and Leah are locked. Jeff and Nikki? 
Talk it out. I mean, I was just, I was just, you know, I guess my mind was a little confused too, like leaving the country because like all the forefathers like went to different countries and everything before their presidents and everything. But I guess, yeah. Who, who actual, is the first sitting uh, U.S. president? Visit, 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 I'm guessing. Yeah. Now it makes more right sense because I was like freaking Thomas Jefferson was in France for like. Sorry, I should I should have <laughs> hit the sitting harder when I because you're absolutely you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I can see I where like, that would be confusing. I was yeah. like, I was like, didn't they all go? Like, no, no, no. John Let Adams. her go with Jefferson. Let her go with Jefferson. We're okay with that. Back in the day when it took <laughs> months to right, go like, overseas. I mean, I'm just thinking that, you know, if, if Mike left us a clue in the hint, it's probably in the uh, in the title. It's probably either McKinley or Teddy Roosevelt, uh, because one of them would have visited Panama. But um, which honestly, because the canal was being built during Teddy Roosevelt's term, it probably was Teddy Roosevelt. So ignore that text message. Um that having been said, McKinley would have had to negotiate the uh, the treaty with the, the Spanish. Polk would have had to negotiate the treaty with the Mexicans in uh, Guadalupe Hidalgo, though he might have sent uh, an emissary or something. I don't know. Um, Monroe might have, would have had to negotiate the treaty for the War of 1812, but I don't know, again, if he's just sent whoever the hell was the Secretary of State. Or that, no, not Monroe, Madison, sorry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just don't know how early they would risk that much, like, travel. Right, yeah, so I think that, 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 that was probably like, we'll just send some random diplomats, and so it's probably Teddy Roosevelt. But I, yeah, oh, yeah I, I, my confidence level on that's low. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I mean, I don't have any better guesses, so we can go with Teddy Roosevelt. It's fine. Sure. Fuck it, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> okay. Uh, and did you did you want to guess which country? Oh, Panama. You say say you say you're you're channeling Van Halen and going Panama. Why not? <laughs> okay. Uh, Jeff and Nikki are locked in with Teddy Roosevelt and Panama. Chris and Leah, what'd you guys say? Uh, I'm a little mad because uh, we definitely had Teddy Roosevelt. I've heard this before. Um. And as soon as she said Panama, I'm like, ah, I think that's it. We locked in with Cuba. Okay. Well, everyone's picking up points because the correct answer is Theodore, don't call me Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, And as it turns out, his hot shoes were burning down the avenue of Panama. Yep. So Jeff and Nikki pick up the five bonus job, points. Jeff. And Jeff did Oddly pick up enough, my little category. Oddly enough, I was actually uh, just earlier today finishing off the two-parter behind the bastards on uh, the Panama Canal and uh, the U.S.'s relationship with Panama. It's an amazing, completely fucked up story. If, oh, yeah. Uh, if y'all want to listen to it. The, uh, the relationship we've had with Panama has been one of the more uh, abusive <laughs> in history. <laughs> oh, God. And that's Give it a listen, man. Right? It's some intense stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So after the first round, we have Jeff and Nikki with 29 points and Chris and Leah with 16. Let's head into the second round. Uh, I know at least one of you, the four of you, will like the first category of the second round. Uh, whether or not you like the question is to be seen, but the first category of the second round is... And it's apropos, since Romeo just walked in the room, the first category of the second round is Famous Basset Hounds. 
think I know any famous Basset Hounds. But... Right? Except, yeah. What? Right. <laughs> so, your question. Running on an anti-squirrel platform, a Basset Hound named Victoria was elected co-mayor of the town of Concord in which Canadian province? Of course it happened in freaking Canada. <laughs> of course it happened in Canada. Mike, did you give a year on that? I did not. Okay, we're going to lock in then. All righty, Chris and Leah are locked in. Jeff and Nikki, you guys can talk it out. All right, so probably not none of it, probably not Northwest Territory, probably not Yukon. Uh, so one of the other ones. Um, <laughs> my guess would have been Newfoundland and Labrador because Newfies are right. the kind of people who would elect a dog to something. Yeah. Uh, my other guess would be Nova Scotia, but um, I don't know. It could be like you know, fucking Saskatchewan or something. It's probably not Saskatchewan. Let's just go with Newfoundland. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, again, we have like, right. yeah, like you're right. We have a one in 11 shot at this. About, so. I know. I just, I loved this. I loved this. Oh, it's great. I mean, I, now that I know that I want to move there. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. Jeff and Nikki are locked in with Newfoundland. Chris and Leo, what'd you guys say? Well, we uh, sounded it out and put the word Concord before most of the provinces that we knew and uh, tried to pick one that sounded like it was the most natural. Um, And when we got to British Columbia, we were like, well, we've been to Victoria, British Columbia. We went there on our honeymoon. Um, So that was kind of our whole reasoning. So we just said uh, British Columbia. And given that the Basset Hound's name was Victoria, that was that was uh, sound reasoning. Unfortunately, no points are being awarded, though. Uh, this particular town of Concord is just a little to the northwest of Toronto. Uh, so the correct answer is Ontario. Ontario, seriously, Ontario. <laughs> And I'd like I I should emphasize I did say that that uh, she was co-mayor. The other uh, her other co-mayor was a Great Dane named Nelson. Oh, I'm told I'm told they ruled with a uh, firm but gentle paw. Oh, precious. <laughs> Your next category is in tasty beverages. Cheers. What drink was invented in 1886 by Civil War Colonel John Pemberton as a substitute for morphine? Some might argue it's even more addictive. And they're sitting here thinking, I'm never letting Mike write another game again. <laughs> no, I'm just, I have no idea. Chris and Leah? Oh, God, did they lock in? No, no, uh, they were asking if I had mentioned where he was from, and I did not, but I was saying if both teams agree, I will tell you where he was from. Sure. Yeah, we don't have any other gap. That's fine. Yep. He he was he was uh, from Knoxville, Georgia. Mm. Yeah, we'll lock in. Okay, Chris and Lee are locked in. Jeff and Nikki, talk it out. All right. So, yeah, that's definitely not because we were we were we were kind of texting like absinthe or something, but that would be more European, I believe, and more yeah, hallucinogenic. Yeah, French. Um. So knock, uh, Knoxville, Georgia, Civil War. So some kind of like, like almost like a moonshine. <laughs> um, but some, it's got to be something relaxed because it's better than morphine. So it's like, what's something that you drink that like, you know, is more like almost like a muscle relaxer type of thing? Because I don't know. 
I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if it's like not necessarily like a base liquor and it's instead a cocktail, like it's an old fashioned yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, the old fashions have bourbon, so it would be this kind of southern thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, obviously, I think you know bourbon existed before 1880s. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, sure. For lack of a better option, we're going to go with the old fashioned. <laughs> yep. All right, Je- Jeff and Nikki locked in with old fashioned. Chris and Leah, what do you got? Tell them your story from Doc Hollywood, because that's what <laughs> sold me on our answer. From Doc Hollywood? What? <laughs> some- Come on, share the story is, that I didn't is, know. This is so very off base. Um, so first off, we had the conversation. Uh, there's a couple things that led me to this answer. Uh, one is the movie Doc Hollywood, and the movie Doc Hollywood is about Michael J. Fox, who's driving across country to become like this Hollywood. Uh, I think he's a, a he's I think he's a GP a doctor. Going, well, I didn't know if he was a dentist or not, but he's he's driving <laughs> driving to Hollywood to be a doctor of some sort, and his car breaks on this little podunk town. And he ends up like kind of becoming like the small town doctor. And there's a scene in the movie where this kid comes in, and the kid's suffering. I think he's like a, he's he's a chest pain something like that. And Michael J. Fox is like, oh no, this is signs of cardiac arrest. We need to get him to the hospital. We need to get him to the hospital. And there's this really old doctor in town who's like trying to retire because of course there is. This is just a happy coincidence. And the the kid's mom goes, no, you need to call Doc. I want to say Doc Brown, but it's not Doc Brown, but call Dr. Whatever. And Dr. Whatever says, no, he needs like, he needs like, uh, he needs like two things of aspirin and a Coca-Cola and call me in 10 minutes or something along those lines. And that's the first thing that came to mind. Because we're thinking about the painkiller thing. Yeah, the, there's two more things here. There's One is the fact that Mike has a severity. He hates soda. Mike is not a soda guy. But two, I think I remember early forms of Coca-Cola containing like the same quality that's in like cocaine. And then when you said Georgia, that just Georgia, kind of yeah, it for we us. were like, oh well, Coca Cola, right, we know right. is now Atlanta. That, now that you say mm-hmm. it, I, rem- I recognize Pemberton's name now. Yeah, so we went with a Coca Cola. <laughs> Our brain went to liquor, so <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. If if the if there's anything in the question that steered you specifically towards liquor, I apologize, but uh, Chris and Leah are dead on. Uh, the correct answer is Coca Cola. Nice job. All right, Chris and Leah picking up ten points on that one. The final category of this round before we head to halftime your category is a story mark twain would have hated if he had been alive to read it long before the jane austen book club what british author wrote a short short story titled the janeites about a group of former world war one soldiers who love jane austen's novels can you read that one more time sure i i stumbled over it the first time so Long before the Jane Austen Book Club, what British author wrote a short story titled The Janeites about a group of former World War I soldiers who love Jane Austen's novels? I'm willing to provide a slight modification to the question if requested. Yeah, I don't, I mean, this... Yeah, I don't know if it'll, we're going in circles. I don't here. know if it'll help anybody, but... Unless the answer is Jimmy Smith's, we're lost. Yeah. <laughs> I will say... What Nobel Prize winning British author wrote a short story titled The Janeites? Can I ask a follow-up question? You can. I'm not I can't guarantee I'll answer it. Can you give us a better freaking clue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and lock in with the wrong answer. <laughs> All right, Chris and Leah are locked in. It, yeah. 
Go ahead. I can't. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm struggling to think of early 20th century British authors here, yeah, Nikki. <laughs> I know. Me too. Well, like when he first said the question, like I part of me was like thinking it was around Jane Austen's book club. So I was like, did like the girl from Bridget Jones write a novel? Like a, you know? But um, that, that's why I said long before. Yeah, long I know. Before. I didn't. That's why I said repeat the question. Um, I tried to think of who won the. Nobel yeah, Prize for Literature, Nobel I, I assume Nobel. literature. Uh, so it would have been, <laughs> unless right, we're talking so they like... were in the 19, 1940s, it was about, so they were, you know, uh, World War One. okay, so it had to be post-World War One. so somewhere in the... Right. I mean, if, if, if I had to just randomly pick a name out of a hat and guess it, I'd pick Aldous Huxley. But... Okay. that. Uh, <laughs> There's no effing reason why that name comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he won the Nobel Prize. I'll, it's, uh... <laughs> all right, let's just, we'll, we'll go with it. I don't have a better Fuck idea. Fuck it, Aldous so. Huxley. <laughs> all right, Jeff and Nikki locked in with Aldous Huxley. Chris and Leah, what'd you guys lock in with? So when I was in seventh grade, we had an English teacher, Mrs. Smith. I loved her. She was the oldest woman in the world. Um, But she had this archaic... Uh, rule or she, we had weekly tests and the weekly test would be she would give you a poem and you would have to come in like a week later and you would have to sit down and hand write that poem out from beginning to end including punctuation and because of this I got the lowest score I have ever gotten in any test I've ever I've ever taken out of a hundred my score was an eight yeah I can see how that would happen and that is because the poem was from an English gentleman that I know was alive post World War One, although I think he died shortly after. And I don't know how much writing he did in the novel form, but we went with Rudyard Kipling because that made no damn sense whatsoever. But at least I know he was alive at some point in time post World War One, so that's the <laughs> closest I could get. Your, your reference to punctuation made me think you were going to go E. E. Cummings. No, <laughs> that would have been a. Mm, is he British? I don't think Sounds so. I think, like it. I think Roger Kipling, I think he wrote novels. So I think he, didn't he write the original Jungle Book? Yes, he did. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I picked a guy who at least wrote a no, book. No, Roger Kipling's a good guess. So I did I did I did say it was a short story, not a novel. Um but I also did say he was a Nobel Prize winner in the modification of the question. I really should have put that in the original question because I think the reason I didn't is because I, I feel like this actually was a factoid that surfaced on an earlier episode of the Pub Trivia Experience about this person being the first British winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature, which is, in fact, I did also add a little clue in the subcategory, and I tried to emphasize it really hard when I read the category when I hit the word if. The answer oh, is Rudyard Kipling, Chris and Leah. <laughs> Picking up 10 points. Well yeah, done. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Wait, did we get that? I am not. Well done. Well done. Are you kidding me right now? I feel bad. I don't know any of those. I, I am not. If excellent, you can keep your head guess. about excellent you while guess. all the others are losing theirs and blame it on you, thank you, Miss. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. May you rest I love in that peace. Poem. That's one of my favorite poems. Even though Rudyard Kipling was a total asshat. I love that <laughs> oh, poem. Hey. I am happily writing a 10 next to my name right now. Let's let's just move right, right along to that. We're heading into our halftime question. Uh, this has been, perhaps been a little bit more of a brutal game than I anticipated, but uh, we do have scores at going into halftime of Chris and Leo with 36 points thanks to that pull in that last question. 
with Jeff and Nikki right in there with 29 points is anybody's game. I really hope the halftime question sits with you guys pretty well. The category for your halftime question is speaking of British authors. So I will say I had to go modify this game. Uh, and that was where the Rudyard Kipling question came because I knew what the halftime question was going to be, but the original question leading into the halftime question was going to be, what was the name of the second person in the UK ever to receive the COVID vaccine? But then that came up on an earlier episode of the Pub Trivia Experience that that person's name was William Shakespeare. So this halftime question is actually centered on William Shakespeare. Shakespeare's plays, as we know, contributed many words and phrases to the lexicon that are still in use today. So I'm going to give you five quotes containing such a phrase, and you are going to tell me what play it's from and which character said it. You get five points for the play and five points for the character for each quote. I'm going to bed. See y'all later. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to make this not too bad. I think these are, I hope, maybe, I don't know. The The first quote is, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. The second quote is, Lord, what fools these mortals be. The third quote is, to thine own self be true. The fourth quote, ironically dovetailing with Jeff's, uh, Jeff and Nikki's Aldous Huxley answer is, oh, brave new world that has such people in it. And the final quote is, beware, my lord, of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster. All right, um... I'm going to be that guy. Can you repeat the the first four again, please? Yeah, absolutely. I'll go through them all one more time. Thank you. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Lord, what fools these mortals be. To thine own self be true. O brave new world that has such people in it. And beware, my lord, of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster. Okay, I think we can lock in. All righty. Jeff and Nikki are locked in. Chris and Leah, talk it out. Okay, so let's let's run through these real quick. So we have a couple that we feel good about. Um, so I feel, we feel good about one. We said... Uh, uh, by any other name, we think is... Romeo and Juliet, and we think Romeo said it. Yeah, because I think it's, it is the East and Juliet is the sun. sun it does yeah. sound like something Romeo would say. Um, what was the, the second one? The, the Lord, what fools these mortals be? We were like, what one has like supernatural characters in it? Because we, they talked about mortals. So we said a Midsummer Night's Dream. And we said, um, Lysander. Lysander. Because it's the only character we the can only, remember only from, from there we can that. Name. Um, to thine own self, we, Leah and I have seen, uh, the movie, the, the TV, sh- the Broadway, Broadway show, show, something rotten, like I said, three times. And to thine own self be true is a big part of that. And, the big reveal at the end is that William Shakespeare steals the play Hamlet from the the Bottom Brothers. Uh, so we said it was Hamlet, and we said it was Yorick. Yorick, right? we're not even sure if that's even the same one, but that's no, 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 no. Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. Yorick was the skull he was holding. I think it's Horatio. Okay, so do you want to go? Okay, so we'll go Horatio. It's a last poor York. I knew him in Horatio, a fellow of infinite jest. Okay, whatever. So we're going to go with Horatio there. Yep, but Hamlet as the main one. Yep. And then Oh Brave New World. That one's given us a hard time, so we won't go over that one yet. No. Because we haven't really come up with an answer. And then the last one, Beware of 
jealous is all I wrote down. Um, so we thought about which shows ha- or which plays had yeah. jealousy oh, in it. So God. we were kind of torn between two. And we were then, torn between Othello and Julius Caesar. And there's a, a from the reduced Shakespeare Company abridged. There is a song called the Rap Othello. And if you have not listened to it, it's it's kind of funny. But what's pulling pulling me towards the Othello is the fact that. Um, Othello got married to a chicken named Desdemona. He took her for the wars and he left her alone. She was a Mona, a Grona. He left her alone. He didn't write a letter and he didn't telephone. And when you said, my Lord, like that to me sounds like something a Shakespeare's a wife to a king would say or the wife to a, a leader would say. So we're going with Othello and Desdemona there. And then we're just not sure about Brave New World. We kind of thought maybe Julius Caesar there, but we weren't. Quite sure, so we were kind of running through other Shakespeare plays. And, and we got lost in the Henrys. Yeah, we're very tapped out because Richards and Henrys all kind of run together. I mean, so, I'm tempted to say Caesar and Mark Antony. Okay, so we'll just, yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, so. So interestingly, we got the same play as y'all for four out of the five and all different characters. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. Uh, if it's well, Mercutio, so, I'm turning this damn thing off. Given that, let's hear what Jeff and Nikki locked in with. All right. Well, we started with uh, Romeo and Juliet, um, but we said Juliet. We agree the two was from Midsummer Night's Dream, but we said it was from Puck. Um, Number three, I was reasonably confident, was Polonius from Hamlet. Yeah, I always think of that one from uh, Clueless, because in Clueless, they said she's like, did I know himself be true? Did Hamlet say that? No, the Polonius guy did. (laughs) (laughs) Good call. Good call. (laughs) Um, Whatever. Whatever. You said was uh, Viola from Twelfth Night. Hold on. You said Viola on the fourth one? Uh, Viola from Twelfth Night, yeah. Okay. And the fifth one we said was Iago from Othello. Uh, I will say everyone is getting points. One team is getting uh, significantly more points than the other team. Awesome. So the first... I know. The first answer, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, was, of course, from Romeo and Juliet. Everyone picking up points there. But it was, in fact, Juliet that said it. Uh, So Jeff and Nikki were picking up 10 points. Chris and Lee are picking up five. The second quote, Lord, what fools these mortals be, was said by Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. The third quote, to thine own self be true. And hilariously, when I hear the phrase, to thine own self be true, the person that I hear saying it in my head now because of the Ethan Hawke version of this movie that came out, the modernized version in the year 2000, is Bill Murray. But he was playing <laughs> Polonius in Hamlet. Uh, the fourth uh, fourth question, the fourth quote was the one that uh, nobody got points on. Uh, this was actually a little side mic trivia note. Uh, the first Shakespeare play that I ever played a role in as a young fifth grader. Uh, it was from The Tempest. Oh, Damn it! It was it was Ma- it was Miranda who said, "Oh, sorry, brave new Jeff, world that, that has such people in it." Even if we had heard of The Tempest, we would have never gotten Miranda. I'm just gonna say that is totally a Miranda thing to say. Uh, and on the fifth on the fifth question, same thing. Uh, both teams got the playwright. It was Othello. Uh, unfortunately, it was not Desdemona. It was, in fact, Iago. Okay, I thought it was Iago. I should get cool points, but you talked me out of it because you said, oh, a woman would say that to her man, would call her his lord. Well, really, I'm just trying to get you to call me my lord once in my life. Yeah, no. <laughs> I could have gotten us five yeah. more points. 
Well, I'm it, a chauvinist. It, what do you want from me? <laughs> it was, in fact, Iago. Look at this. I'm so ticked off that I'm molting. See, it was Josh Hartnett. <laughs> That's right. It was Josh Hartnett. <laughs> All right. So that was that. That that was a, a bit of a separation halftime there. Jeff and Nikki picking up 40 points, and Chris and Leah picking up 20 points. I'm so proud of us because we got four it, out of five plays. So you did it, and it is still anyone's game. And coming out of halftime, little separation, but we'll see how things go from here. It is still anybody's game. Jeff and Nikki picking up 40 points to bring their grand total to 69, Giggity. And Chris and Leo picking up 20 points to bring their total to 56. Uh, however, as I said, it is still anybody's game. And knowing Chris, that might be especially true with the first question of round three, which category is baseball awards. In 2020, Trevor Bauer was awarded the Cy Young Award, making him the first Cincinnati Reds player ever to win that award. Now, there are only three active teams that have never had a Cy Young winner. For five points each, name those three teams. Mike, are you counting yes. like previous iterations of existing clubs? No, these, these are current teams. So, like, you know, it, uh, we're not counting, like, the Kansas City A's and the Philadelphia A's when we start talking about the Oakland A's, right? So, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. Um, if the team has relocated, I'm considering that a continuation of the existing franchise. All right, got gotcha. In this question. So, yes, if, if the Kansas City A's won a Cy Young, that would count for the Oakland A's. However, I'm fairly certain Dennis Eckersley won in a Cy Young, so I'll give you that one for free. Okay, we're going to lock in. Oh. All righty, Jeff and Nikki are locked in. Chris and Lee, you guys want to talk it out? Yeah, so we're, I've gotten all the teams written down. Um, no, I'm missing one on the NL West. The Diamondbacks, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Rockies. The, the San Francisco. The Giants, yeah. Okay. I was going to say the 49ers, but that's not them. So let's start in the NL West. So, um, Seattle. Oh, no, that's NL West. The Giants have won one because I'm pretty sure Lincecum's won one. Uh, the Diamondbacks, between Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson being there, I would hope one of them won a Cy Young while they were there. The Padres is interesting because I don't know of a Padres pitcher that would have been there. The Dodgers have won one because I'm almost positive Kershaw's got one. The Rockies are interesting because can't, the Colorado is a hitter-friendly ballpark. I cannot imagine a Rockies pitcher winning a Cy Young. It just can't happen. So the Rockies I can't is even the one that name I'm like a about. famous person who spent like a chunk of time with the Rockies. Uh, Mike Hampton. No, I've never heard of him. He was famous when he went to the Rockies, and then his career fell apart because he can't pitch in the high altitude. So I think no that, one can. I think that that's smart then. Yeah, former Braves pitcher. Yes, he was. Uh, the Padres. I don't know. So I'm leaving the Padres as a, as a possibility. Okay, so we've got the Cubs, Arietta 1-1. One, one. There's been a couple Cubs winners. The Cardinals are old enough. They must have had a winner. I feel like the Indians, too. The Indi oh, Yeah, Kluber won for the Indians, I think. Um, we're in the NL Central, though. The Pirates and the Brewers, I don't know. Uh, the Pirates have been around for forever, so I'm assuming a Pirates pitcher has won at some point. I can picture a Brewers jersey on the pitching mound. Okay, so let's keep going through. So the Pirates and the Brewers, I don't know. The other one that I feel somewhat okay about is the Marlins. Yeah, 
we couldn't think of anyone. Well, I can think of pitch that pitch for them. Like but they don't pitch there for. But a they don't bit, stay for very don't. long. But I just don't. They had those those the. All right, I I I hate to be that guy, but I'm gonna give you guys one more minute. Okay, we're gonna go with the Rockies for sure. We're gonna go with the Brewers and the Rangers. Rockies, Brewers, Rangers. Okay. Chris and Leah are locked in with Rockies, Brewers, and Rangers. That's what Chris is locked in with. <laughs> hey, you're 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 tied to him, honey. <laughs> Jeff and Nikki, what did you guys lock in with? Uh, so we went with the uh, Jays and the Angels, and uh, because I forgot about my fellow Commodore David Price, the Rays. <laughs> All right. So I, I, as I kind of said, leading into this, I had a feeling this would be a bit of a uh, potential evener uh, in terms of uh, questions. Uh, One team has two out of three, right? Uh, The Rockies uh, certainly I thought were the gimme because no one can possibly, I like, I'll eat my hat if somebody ever wins a Cy Young award in that stadium, (laughs) because that, that is a major hitters ballpark. Uh, so Chris and Leah got two points there, uh, or got t- uh, five points there, excuse me. Uh, they also got points for the Rangers. Uh, believe it or not, the Rangers have had a lot of good pitchers through the years. They've never won a Cy Young award. Ryan never and won then, a Cy Young? Ryan yeah, this, never they, won a Cy Young. Ryan, Ryan's issue was he, as powerful of a pitcher as he was, he always walked too many batters. And therefore his ERA was actually always really high. Even even though he even though he had the most no hitters, that was why Ryan never won a Cy Young. Uh, so that is ten points to Chris and Leah, who for some reason abandoned the Marlins, who have never won a Cy Young, and that was the third. That is the third team that has never won a Cy Young award. Uh, Chris and Leah are picking up ten points, though, uh, bringing it within three. It is anybody's game. I've done so much Googling, i got to go find my questions again. Okay, here we go. Your second category is in film directors, which might also be another uh, point of separation, given that I know Chris has an affinity for this particular uh, category. So, the question is, who directed the surprising number one box office hit of 1987, which was Three Men and a Baby? I'll be honest, I struggled to figure out a way to help you logic to the answer for this one, but I will give Chris a hint. It was not Stanley Kubrick, and that is my one per cast. We're going to lock in. All right, Chris and Leah are locked in. Jeff and Nikki, talk it out. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Nikki, you were saying uh, Nimroy? Or something like that. I don't know that anyone. I don't know where that where that's uh, what name that is. But I don't know. I think it's like Leonard or Lenny. I don't even remember. It's I'm only Leonard Nimoy. The beginning. Doctor Spock. Leonard Nimoy. Like Mr. Spock. Leonard Nimoy. No, think is that Mr. Spock? Yes, that's Mr. Spock. I'm just remembering the opening to three men and a baby, and there was like a cartoon wall, and I just feel like I remember seeing that. Like a I don't know. Okay, I have no idea. We can go with it. We'll go with Leonard Nimoy. If it, if we're if you want to go with that, then that's fine. I I don't know. 
All right. Well, in the interest of keeping the podcast moving along, let's just shut it down and say Leonard Nimoy. So Jeff and Nikki are locking in with Mr. Spock, Leonard <laughs> Nimoy. Is that correct? Sure. All right. Chris, Chris and Leo, what are you locking in with? Wait, Leonard Nimoy was a director? Yeah, Leonard Nimoy was a director. I, it was after the Star Trek series. I know he got into directing. I don't know if he directed that movie or not. Um, we had three names that kind of came up. Um, Leah had a lot more names, but yeah. Chris dismissed them. Well, you had Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall was doing big around that time, and I think if she had done this movie, I would have known about it. Um, we talked about Ivan Reitman doesn't seem right, uh, and then we kind of came down to Rob Reiner or Chris Columbus. Uh, the first thing I remember Columbus doing is in the early 90s. I can't remember him being that active in the he 80s. He Home Alone. Like early 90s. So I went with Rob Reiner. And Chris and Leah locked in with Rob Reiner. I will say, first of all, full disclosure, I have never seen Three Men and a Baby, and it blew my fucking mind that it was the number one box office hit of 1987. Nikki apparently has watched it a lot and knows that there's like a cartoon. Like, well, at the beginning, there's like all these like cool animations. Uh, as I said in the question, I struggled to figure out a way to help you logic to the answer, but you did it anyway. Leonard right. Nimoy was, right. was the director right. of Nikki, Three Men and a Baby. Magnificent bastard. Well done. I, I was sitting here like, I'm, I'm like two feet away from my wife and I've just finished off a 12.5% ABV beer and I'm just like sitting here like, keep face immobile. I'm sorry, uh, Nikki and Jeff do pick up 10 points, uh, and we will move on to our final question of round three, whose category is in the human brain? The cerebral cortex of the human brain is divided into four lobes which control different functions. One lobe interprets sounds and processes memories, so you've been using it a lot throughout this game. What is the name of this lobe? We'll lock in. All righty, Chris and Lee are locked in. Uh, yeah, I, as as even as someone who does biology for a living, I have no idea here. My, I, I know you, you want to talk about the liver. I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you any answer you want on the liver. The brain, I got nothing. <laughs> Jeff, we're on, we're on the pub trivia experience. We know a little thing about the liver, <laughs> but thank you. I know the frontal, I know the occipital, but I mean, the occipital, you said this is what does hearing? Is that what the um, sound uh, processes sounds and, and memories? The memory thing is one of those things that like, I, I feel like I should know that because it's like back here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I, you know, and the worst part is I know I've learned this before and I just can't remember. <laughs> yeah, um, I, 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 I'm with you I can there. pull up weird things like what's on animation walls, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I got I got nothing here. I'm sorry. Uh, there's the prefrontal. I don't think that does memories. I think it was like short term memory, maybe. But I mean, the only one that's coming uh, to my head is the occipital lobe. So I can I don't know. Occipital works. You want to go with that? All right, we're gonna go with occipital. Alrighty, Jeff and Nikki locked in with the occipital lobe. Chris and Leah, what did you say? Well, so I was remembering eighth grade health class where we had to learn all the bones in the body. And throughout the semester, and so they would always, we'd 
pick a couple new ones every day and then we would kind of go from there and add on and memorize them. And we always started with the head. So I remember every day for that whole semester, we started with frontal parietal occipital and it went from front to the back of the head. Um, but I know that we were studying bones, but when I said frontal parietal occipital, occipital for bones, Chris was like, oh, occipital, that's a lobe. I know that that's a lobe. Um, so that's what we went with. We went with occipital lobe. Oh, hey, we had the same answer. <laughs> so, so Chris and Leah also locked in with occipital lobe. The four lobes of the brain are the frontal, the parietal, the occipital, those are the three that Leah mentioned. Unfortunately, the answer is the one that no one mentioned, which is the temporal lobe. Uh, oh, I think I would have damn it. That. I knew that yeah. too. Ugh. But it's it's actually really funny because, quite frankly, before I researched this question, occipital is the one that I would have answered to you because for whatever reason, that's the one that I also remember. So go figure. The one that's associated with memories is the one that I don't remember. Yeah, nobody knows. I've, I remember the uh, frontal one because of Phineas Gage. Uh, exactly. Which is a really cool story if you haven't heard it. Uh, Very cool dude, story. I definitely Dude who got like a steel up. bar blown through the front of his head and survived another 10 years, but went from being a kind of gentle, cool dude to being a total asshole. But unfortunately, no points awarded there. Uh, going into round four, that is the end of round three, our scores are. Uh, Jeff and Nikki with 79 points and Chris and Leah with 66 points. All right. And we'll move on to round four. Your first category is hit albums. It is generally known to music fans that Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon spent more time on the Billboard 200 chart than any other album. And at over 900, it's honestly not close. But what is the other only... What is the only other non-compilation album that has logged more than 500 weeks on the Billboard 200? And I will be generous. If you can give me the artist, I will give you five. If you can give me the album title, I will give you five additional. And it might actually be easy. I'm sorry, can you, can you repeat that? I can, re I can repeat it, yes, since I fucked it up the first time. It is generally known to music fans that Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon spent more time on the Billboard 200 chart than any other album, and it's not even close at over 900 weeks. But what is the only other non-compilation album to log more than 500 weeks on the Billboard Top, 100, top 200 album chart? And again, I will, I will make it slightly easier for you. I will, if you give me the artist, I will give you five points. If you give me the album title, I'll give you an additional five points. We're going to lock in. Okay. Jeff and Nikki are locked in. Okay. Well, Chris and Leah. I had three that came to mind, but when he said he was going to be generous with the whole, you know, artist or um, album, it made me think that it's not any of mine because all of mine are very, like, you know who the artist was versus the album because I thought Purple Rain, Prince, Thriller, Michael Jackson, or Beyonce, Lemonade. Those are the three that came to mind, but everyone would be able to associate those, so I don't think it's either of those three. And I know Thriller and Purple Rain came out around the same time, so that probably negated both of them, because they couldn't both be... Well, well it just, it just has to be on the Hot 200. It I guess, it has yeah. To, 
So Thriller, I know, is the, I think, the second best-selling album of all time. Well, then that's the answer, kind of, right? Not really, but I don't kind know. of. Um, what's, I don't, I, I never saw Purple Rain. I've listened to the one song from Purple Rain. Purple I, Rain? I, no, it's the <gasps> one that he won the, he won the Grammy for, or the, uh, the Oscar for, I think. I don't, I don't even know what it's called right now. But I, did he do the entire soundtrack himself? He oh, did. I don't know. He did. At one point in the year Purple Rain came out, um, he had the number one song, the number one movie, and the number one best-selling album. I believe that was around movie. 1984. Yeah, I think it was 85 or something like that. Well, I was born in 84, and so that's why I think I know it, is okay. because I studied things that happened in my year. Okay. Michael Jackson's Thriller is the number two selling album of all time. I think I think The Eagles' Greatest Hits Volume 2 is the number one uh, selling album Eagles of all time. The Eagles would be a good one, too. But... What's a comp- what's, what's a con- like a soundtrack with multiple artists? So the Eagles, I think, is number one. But were they were they best selling or were they consecutive weeks? It's the best selling of all time. I think the Eagles' greatest Eagles' greatest volume two is the best selling album of all, album of but all time. But the question is, what what was on the charts the longest? That, yeah, but you, you would assume that when you're talking about the best selling album of all time, there's some longevity associated with it. The Beatles one album? Was no, because the Beatles one? one album didn't come out until the '90s. Right, I know. We had the CD. Um. So what are you? I'm, I'm between the I'm between Thriller. I'm between Michael Jackson's Thriller and the Eagles' Greatest Hits Volume Two. Okay. And I think the Eagles' Greatest Hits Volume Two would have more longevity. And it makes sense with the way he worded the question, which he says, I'll be generous. I'll give you five points for this one or this one. Because getting that um, that volume two piece of might the be. album might be the tricky part. Yeah. If this is like um, freaking. Uh, Beyonce. Lemonade. It's not Beyonce. Uh, no, we'll go Eagles Greatest Hits volume two. Yeah. So I'm actually going to stop everyone and open this up in, in case. A greatest hits album would be a compilation album because it is compiled of hits from multiple albums. Oh, then never mind. So if if Jeff and Nikki, if you if you need if you need to reopen, that's fine too. But it's it's possible that the question was not clear. That was why I emphasized non compilation album. the The Eagles' greatest hits volume one is actually is absolutely on there, but it is a compilation album because it consists of songs from multiple albums. Okay. So you and it's possible that I'm not using non-compilation in the correct sense, but it's fine, but, but that's the idea. Okay. So let's go with uh, Michael Jackson thriller. 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 Yeah. But when you give the answer, you have to do the dance. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. my dinosaur zombie dance over here. Yep. With my tiny arms. And so, uh, Jeff and Nikki, if, if, you, if you guys want to change your answer, I, I know that that was awkward since they talked it out a little bit. But... Well, because no. we answered Michael Jackson's thriller, yeah. we, uh, we'll we just both say the same I, thing and let's yeah. go. No, and, and I will be honest, that is a great, great guess because Michael Jackson's thriller absolutely is the number two best-selling album of all time behind the Eagles' Greatest Hits Volume 1. Unfortunately, it appears that it was one of those albums that burned really, really fast, but ultimately did not have the staying power. The ease of this question, the way that I modified it, where I gave you five points for the artist and five points for the title of the album, is that they are both, in fact, the same thing. 
The title of the album, even though it is commonly referred to as the Black Album, is actually simply Metallica. And the artist mm. is also Metallica. Really? Really. Yeah. It is, That's so yeah. funny because at the beginning I was going to guess Metallica before you. It, it, was, it was just consistently on the charts for forever. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I thought that I thought that was a really cool fact. That's a good question, Mike. But no joke, when you gave us the category title, I almost said out loud, Metallica. Let's guess Metallica before ever hearing the question. <laughs> I should have just gone with that. Yeah. <laughs> Your next category is Giddy Up. The Kentucky Derby was, shall we say, a bit different in 2020 than in previous years, in that it wasn't run in May, and it had no fans in attendance. Given that, what was the somewhat ironic name of the horse that won? Okay. We're going to lock in. All right. Chris and Lee are locked in. Jeff and Nikki, talk it out. Uh, I remember hearing this, and I just, I'm blanking. I don't, I mean, I, I feel like I remember hearing well, this. Pleaser? Fuck if I know. I, I don't know horses. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know, I mean, it was, it was like an ironic name, and I'm just, I, Mike, Mike's laughing at me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's all such a haze. 2020 is a haze. I don't know. Huge haze. Oh, yeah. Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I know that it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't during the normal. I mean, I remember hearing this. Like, I mean, I remember hearing the name. I just, I just can't pull it up. Um. I don't know. It's like what, Three's Company or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Three's a yeah, crowd. Yeah, would be an ironic twenty twenty name. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> We don't even have a guess. I don't even have a guess I, here, Nikki. I'm sorry. I know. I feel so bad because I know I know this. I know I know this. Oh. This, is a t- this is a tough question. I, I admit it for sure. Hunt. <laughs> uh, um, just trying to like think the, crowd, of the please, ironic 2020 name. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you can always just guess somewhat ironic. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it was Alanis Morissette. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes. the, 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 the name of the, the horse was, of course, unfortunate coincidence. Unfortunate coincidence. was. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jeff and Nikki locked in with, I'm sorry. Jeff and Nikki locked in with Alanis Morissette. Uh, <laughs> The horse, the horse, the horse was God in Dogma. That that's a fair guess. That's, a fair that's guess. right. It's ironic. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Chris and Leah, what did you guys lock in with? So it's very, it's very actually very kind of funny that that Jeff kind of came up with his. He was answer. very much channeling us over here. He was cha- not us, you, <laughs> Leah. What was our answer? <laughs> we went with crowd pleaser. With crowd pleaser. Oh yeah, that that's that actually does have some irony to it, given that it wasn't played in front of any fans of attendance. So, uh, one would one would potentially argue that an authentic Kentucky Derby would be run in May with fans in attendance. So you would think that a Kentucky Derby that did not have those things would be inauthentic, and yet you'd be surprised that the name of the horse was authentic. It's not a very good horse name. Uh, Authentic. I didn't say it was a good horse name. I said it was an ironic horse name. Mm, Lame. 
don't you think? Canceled. Yeah, no wonder I could. What else do kids say these days? No, it's so, yeah, shoot totally, it. totally lame. Shoot it. Like American Pharaoh. Now that's a name you can sink your fucking teeth into, right? Anyway, all right. <laughs> we are on to the final <laughs> question of round four. Writing a zero. <laughs> yeah, it's very oh, easy to know, do Chris. math at this point. <laughs> you might like this one. The category for this question is geography Geography. Or bodies of water. Uh, shit. <laughs> Although it was much disputed at the time, Guinness recognized the Roe River as the shortest river in the world in 1989 before eliminating the category. In what U.S. state will you find the Roe River flowing into the Missouri? All right, we'll lock in. Mike just stepped away for a second, but uh, you guys talk it up. Just tell me why I'm wrong with all of my answers. Just well, go ahead. The answer is not Alaska. I didn't say it was. I said Nebraska has the most miles of river than any other state in the continental U.S., but Alaska has the most. But if we're just talking about where the Missouri River is, then Nebraska has a lot of rivers. Yeah. So the odds of them having this little river is probably pretty high. So the Missouri River starts up in Mont—I think it starts up in Montana, and then it empties into the Mississippi, which is why everyone thinks the Mississippi is the longest river in the U.S., but it's not. The Missouri River is longer. This particular—I this is literally just on Instagram in the last week. This river is like two hundred nine feet long. What's it called? The Row? Yeah, it comes down from Montana. It flows down the mountains. And I don't know what state it's in. Just do Montana, because that's what you keep saying. Well, I know I, I know the Missouri River starts in Montana, so we'll go with Montana, but it's not right. This river's tiny. It's like 209 feet long. It's not even a river. It's too small. It's too small. Montana. All right. All right. So Chris and Leah locked in with the not right answer of Montana. Jeff and Nikki, what'd you guys say? Uh, so we answered Montana, but I answered it under protest because that's wrong. <laughs> and the fact is that the row is not and never was the shortest river in america the shortest river in america was the d river which flows from the oregon coastal range into the pacific ocean in, for like maybe a hundred or so yards but in the process crossing under highway 101 uh which i know because i went over it <laughs> during a, a cross-country drive back in uh, 2001 i believe uh, so the concept of the question you know, is wrong to me. Oregon is the home of the shortest river in America, but because of the way the question was asked, our answer is also Montana. So I will say the question was asked in a very specific way, specifically because of the controversy of what truly constitutes the shortest river. Uh, whatever river you're talking about in Oregon was never recognized by Guinness as the shortest river in the world. Guinness isn't the damn authority on geography, though. It's like I'm not. Like National I'm Geographic not, or something. I'm not. I'm not arguing the legitimacy of Guinness as a source. I am saying they recognized a particular river, the Roe River, as the shortest river in the world, and then they realized it was a bullshit category. And discontinued it because of the controversy. None of it matters because you're both picking up points. It was Montana, but no, you're Jeff. You're absolutely right because I I went I looked up I saw that it was like the shortest river in the world. I was like, 
let me find out more information. It came up as the Roe River in Montana. I was like, let me find out more information about this. And honestly, I researched it a while ago, so I don't specific remember the specifics. But what I do remember is there was a whole lot of controversy surrounding this. And, and so Guinness basically said, we're not even going to bother with this shit anymore. We're just going to discontinue the category. And that was the whole reason why I phrased the question in that way. I didn't say, what is the shortest river in the world? I said, what did Guinness recognize before discontinuing the category? So you are very, you very it, likely it gave could me be... a chance to rant about the D river in Oregon, which is one of my favorite things that I've ever seen on a cross country trip. So, uh, so it's all good. I, I plead, I please to aim, man. I please to aim. All right. No, I, uh, there's been a fun, fun last couple of rounds. Uh, we're heading into the final round and we have a score in the final round. Of course, I'd like to remind you, everybody is a wager round. So we're going to have three categories and everybody's going to have to determine what their wagers are for the final three categories. Before that, I'm going to tell you what the scores currently are. Jeff and Nikki are currently sitting at 89 points. Chris and Leah are currently sitting at 76. It is absolutely anybody's game coming into a wager round. And honestly, as somebody who notably despises wager rounds, I do not envy you the task that you are about to face. Your final round, your three categories, which I'm going to give you now. And you will tell me your wagers in each category before I read the questions are 80s movies, 90s music, and 21st century literature. And I emphasize that literature is in quotation marks. Lock in your wagers. Mike, our wager is locked in. Chris and Leah's wagers are locked in. All right, ours are locked in, too. And Jeff and Nikki are also locked in with their wagers. So, it has come down to this. Your wager round, your first category is in 80s movies. And I am sorry, but I love this question. Four of the top five grossing movies of the 1980s involved either Steven Spielberg or George Lucas as either director or producer. What was the fifth movie? We're going to lock in. So, Sammy, we can talk it out now? You guys can talk Um, it out. Okay, so my immediate thought is Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters is a good guess um, because let's see, it would have been all right. So the eighty, it's Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. You're talking Star Wars. That's Star Wars and Indiana, Indiana Jones, E.T. Uh, well, no, E.T. E.T. Jaws. Jaws. Um, uh, no, wait, E.T. was eighties. What are we talking about? No, I mean I think Ghostbusters is a good guess. So if you want to lock it in with that, I'm I'm. I'm okay with that. Fine. Yeah, sure. Let's go with it. Ghostbusters. All righty. Jeff and Nikki locked in with Ghostbusters. Chris and Leah, what did you guys lock in with? There's an 80s movie that, you know, I, I remember everyone loving and everyone going to see it. And I'm thinking this has got to be something that's a little bit different than what Spielberg and uh, Lucas would, would be putting out there. We went with Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. Chris and Leah locking in with Beverly Hills okay. Cop. 
We will come back and revisit these answers once we go through the remaining two questions because we're cruel like that. Your second category is 90s music. Nirvana's Nevermind famously ushered in the 90s by knocking Michael Jackson off the top of the Billboard album charts on January 11th, 1992. What was the name of the dethroned album from the King of Pop, which was also synonymous, in a way, with his previous hit album title? We'll lock in. All right, Chris and Lee are locked. You guys can talk it out. I'm sorry. I'm not very that familiar with uh, Michael Jackson albums. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I know Bad was like 87 or so. It would have been the previous album <laughs> that, that yeah. Mike was referencing there. Uh, right. well, but I'm trying to think of what would what, what, what other albums he had that came out. Like, did he have one called Terrible? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. Um, I mean, this would have when or when when did the when did when did the Nirvana come out or uh, was like ninety ninety two. Um, so this would have been the 92. album. So hmm. this would have been the album with black or white on it. Um, Interesting. Some of that other later stuff that you know we're not necessarily as familiar with. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say bad, that's that's all I mean. Uh, sure, why not? I don't, I don't know what else he did after. Sorry. Alrighty, so Jeff and Nikki have locked in with bad. Chris and Leo, what did you guys lock in with? So listen, it's very late here in the East Coast. I, um, I know. I'm so sorry. we were literally just trying to name Michael Jackson's songs and hope that one of them was also an album title. We came up with Black and White and Human Nature. That was it. That's all we could think of. Our minds went blank after that. So um, even though I do think it was actually earlier, we went with Human Nature. Human nature, Chris and Leah is locked in with. All right. We'll defer, figure out how that one goes until we rehash everything. After this final question in 21st century, quote unquote, literature. I hope it's about comic books. And your question is, E.L. James's Fifty Shades of Grey is one of the best-selling novels of the 21st century. I know. But in fact, the Fifty Shades series of books started out as fan fiction for another series of books. Name that series. Locked. Locked in. Yeah, yeah lock us in. in. All right, Jeff and Nikki, you guys were second to lock in. What did you lock in with? I mean, it's it's Twilight. She based it off of Twilight. And Chris and Leo, what did you guys lock in with? We didn't even have to discuss it. We both said locked in at the same time. Um, and it, we locked in with Twilight. It's Chris's favorite um, book series, so he was very excited to read the fan fiction in the Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, Team Jacob, series. hell yeah! Nat, nat, naturally, naturally, and I will. Uh, this is a slight spoiler alert and a slight, maybe tip of the hand of things that I yeah, I said to my wife, but I did say there was one question in this entire 
trivia game that I was 100% sure that my wife would get because she was the one that told me it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I wish I had, yeah, I heard it earlier before I thought it, before we knew the categories. <laughs> so, that having been said, let's go back through these questions. Your first category was in 80s movies, and the question was, Four of the top five grossing movies of the 1980s involved either Steven Spielberg or George Lucas as either director or producer. You guys were asked to name the fifth one. Jeff and Nikki, you locked in with? Ghostbusters. Jeff and Nikki locked in with Ghostbusters. And Chris and Leah locked in with? Beverly Hills Cop. And Jeff and Nikki, what was your wager? 17. Jeff and Nikki wagered 17. Chris and Leah, what did you guys wager? Five. And, Jeff, and Chris and Leah wagered five. This one was painful. And the reason that this one was painful is because Jeff and Nikki named the number six grossing movie of the 1980s, which was Ghostbusters. And Chris and Leah named the number seven grossing movie of the 1980s which was Beverly Hills Cop the number 5 grossing movie of the 1980s is definitely near and dear to Christopher Liguori's heart because it is none other than Tim Burton's Batman uh 1988 or 1989 1989 yeah the only non-PG movie on the list I thought about that afterwards because Beverly Hills Cop was rated and I didn't know if it would actually get that high, but I, I wonder knew, when they I were talking was, about the kids stuff. That's what made me I, think of it later. Yeah, but I knew like Beverly Hills I, Cop was huge. It was I know. So big. I, right after you guys were talking, I went and looked it up, and it blew my mind because I was like, I knew both those movies were lar- were big and probably in the top ten, and realizing they were number six and number seven, that was just like, oh, painful. Lost points. All right, so Jeff and Nikki losing seventeen. Chris and Nikki, Chris and Leah losing. Excuse me, losing five. It is 72 to 71 yeah, with we, Jeff and Nikki having totally a very, <laughs> very narrow lead. Not for As long because we, had... we bet a lot on the next question and got it yeah. completely wrong. Yeah. So, so, yeah. We're done, we're done so. <laughs> As so we head into the, into the 90s music question, the 90s music question to refresh everybody's memory was that Nirvana's Nevermind album famous, famously knocked off knocked Michael Jackson off the charts. What was the name of that album that Nirvana's Nevermind knocked off the charts, which was also synonymous with his previous hit album title? Chris and Leah, Refresher Memories, what you locked in with? Human Nature. You guys said, why? Why? They tell me it's just human nature. And Jeff and Nikki, what did you guys lock in with? Bad. You guys locked in with Bad, which unfortunately came out in 1987. Uh, Human Nature, I think, was actually off the Thriller album, so even earlier. It was. Um, Jeff and Nikki, you guys suggested. Uh, I think Jeff at one point said, "What did he have a name? Did he have an album called Terrible? He did not. What he did have an album called was Dangerous. Oh, so that's what uh, was related to Bad." Dangerous. Dangerous was the name of that album. Yeah, so uh, let's get the wagers here. Chris and Leah, what did you guys wager? Mm, we wagered five. You did, in fact, wager five, didn't you? <laughs> I we dread wagered to low. ask. 
bearing in mind that bearing in mind that I love you both, Jeff and Nikki. What did you guys wager? You don't want to know. I I kind of thirty-five. And that's a thirty-five. You guys are making me do math. This is not fair. Oh, you're trying right. to get the guaranteed sixty-three I, win. I, I under I understand and concede that it was probably a little bit cruel to call that category '90s music. <laughs> I will can I will in my defense say that when I wrote this game I did not know that Jeff was going to be playing. I mean, like not, I, I we were like thirty. Jeff knows nineties music. I know that Jeff knows nineties music. music. I know Jeff knows nineties music. Like <laughs> I do, I do know. So going into the final round, twenty first century quote unquote. Next, literature. next boozy bracketology, Mike. I will vote the opposite way from you in every song, <laughs> just to spite you. And you and you will be justified in doing so, my friend. So, but that being said, uh, the scores going into the final category of 21st century quote-unquote literature are Chris and Leo with 66 points and Jeff and Nikki with 27 points. <laughs> that question, that last question was was unfortunately brutal. The final question, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was actually started fan fiction for another series of books. Uh, I kind of tipped my hand a little bit by admitting that I got this, got the information for this question from my my lovely wife. Uh, but what what did you guys lock in with again? We both said Twilight. So I, I kind of didn't embed this in the question because I sort of struggled to, but my favorite aspect of this is that the Fifty Shades series of books, which started out as fan fiction for Twilight, has actually outsold Twilight, which is amazing and kind of cool in its way, I guess-ish. Maybe not at all, but whatever. Um, <laughs> that having been said, yes, you guys were absolutely both correct. It was Twilight. Uh, Jeff and Nikki, what was your wager? Twelve. 2.7 million. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and Nikki wagered 12. And Chris and Leah, what did you guys wager? Four. And we answered the Twilight Saga, or Twilight. And, and both getting the final question right, and in a final score that by no means reflects how close this game was. <laughs> or how smart or, we are. <laughs> or 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 the difficulty of this game or the fact that I am probably banned from writing pub trivia experience questions after this game if I wasn't already before the final score Jeff and Nikki with a very respectable 39 points Chris and Leah are our winners with a final score of 70 points with well, possibly misnomer of a 90s music question but well well done everybody good job guys Good job, Mike. Nicely done. I, I hope that I hope everyone had fun. I thought this was I thought this had this game had a lot of cool facts in it, even even if the questions weren't always necessary. I tried to I tried you to put hints in and stuff you like that. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. No, but uh it would be it would actually we'd love to have you back on, Jeff. I hope you had fun here. Uh I had fun. I, I mean, I basically just got to sit here and drink beer and read questions. I hope everybody else had fun. It was a great game. Uh, Chris and Leah, congratulations on the victory. We're going to um, take it. We haven't had a win in a while, so we're, we're happy to have it. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, run with it. I mean, 
All good. No, uh, we so uh, we hope that everybody has enjoyed uh, this particular episode of the Pub Trivia Experience. Uh, as always, of course, find us a- anywhere you get podcasts. You probably know that because you're already listening, but you can find us on the socials also uh, at Pub Trivia Experience on Instagram and Facebook, uh, at Pub Trivia Pod on Twitter, uh, because we have no character and thus the character limitations. Uh, if you have any complaints, send an email to pubtriviaexperience at gmail.com because Chris gets all that shit. Uh, But honestly, if you're enjoying the show, seriously, we have a ton of fun putting the show on and we really do hope that you have a ton of fun listening to the show. We really strive for that. Uh, It would be great if you wanted to write us a review. Five stars would be fantastic. Uh, It takes a lot of work to put the show together. I don't do much of it, quite frankly, because I'm lazy. Uh, but I do occasionally write games, as uh, hopefully you enjoyed tonight. Uh, your victors tonight, again, are Chris and Leah. Uh, and for the pub trivia experience, I have been Mike. Nikki. Chris and Leah, who has gone to bed. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> and Jeff. H- have a great one, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>